Welcome to the Athletics Prospects to Pros podcast. I'm Chris Burke, joined as always by Dane Brugler. You can get him at DP Brugler. Uh, special guest this week is second appearance on the show for us, Ted Wynn at FB underscore film analysis on Twitter. Guys, hope uh, hope you're hanging in there with everything that's going on. You got everyone doing all right? Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, different times, right? I mean, it's kind of kind of weird, especially during the draft process with everything being different and, you know, no pro days and no workouts. It certainly changes up the the process, the routine. But, you know, I think for a lot of people, that's, you know, secondary on their minds, which is certainly understandable, but definitely throws off the process a little bit. And now we kind of wait and see if the, the draft itself is affected. The NFL is kind of holding steadfast that they want the draft to happen April 23rd, 24th, 25th. But uh, I tell you, talking to teams, they are trying tr- and trying to get that moved. Uh, and it sounds like the NFL is going to kind of wait until the last possible moment to uh, to make that decision if, if they have to. So I, I don't know. I don't. We haven't heard the last of uh, the draft being postponed talk. Uh, that's still going to come. So it'll be interesting next few weeks. Yeah, agents and everything, players too. I mean, I, for everyone, I would think pushing it back would make oh, yeah. some sense. You've heard so much about just the you know, especially the guys that weren't at the combine, weren't at the you know, senior bowl, those all star games. Guys, they're trying to sort of sneak into the back half of the draft or sign the undrafted uh, contracts. Uh, you know, they're missing out on a lot of face time here with. Uh, the top 30 visits not happening with the pro days all being canceled. Um, you know, NFL teams aren't even in their buildings. I mean, guys are <laughs> spread out all over the place at home and everything. I keep seeing, you know, coaches tweeting and putting up on Instagram, like stories of like just playing with their kids. It's sort of, it's just, it's so bizarre. I talked to Chase Daniel, the new Lions backup quarterback, just about like there's obviously everyone would prefer this not be happening and it's there's some terrible stuff going on in the world right now and um we'd like to just get back to normal but there's this weird uh, like i don't know like ray of sunshine for everyone to be around their families these guys are never around their families (laughs) this time of year right uh, you know you get a little bit of extra time at home like the circumstances are horrible that's causing it but uh it yeah it's just so bizarre i think everyone's trying to figure out how to handle it and like even the draft they hold, I mean, right now, like I said, the NFL, you know, teams aren't, people aren't supposed to be in those buildings more or less. Like, are you going to let everyone back in to go to the draft war rooms? Like, what's even the setup going to be? So, yeah, we'll see how it goes. Uh, Ted, what's your, uh, what's, were you surprised that free agency took off on time? Yeah, I wasn't surprised that it, it went through just because typically, yeah, you would like to, bring the prospect in and have them sign a physical contract and take pictures and all that. But you, you really don't need to, um, to be together or to travel much for uh, free agency. I, I don't think that's required to happen. I, I think maybe the NFL could have been afraid or unsure of what would happen in the next month or so. Uh, so they just wanted to get this thing over with and get um, players on their new team so they could get playbooks or get feel a little more comfortable knowing where um, they were going to be. So, um, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I wasn't too surprised with that. And I think it was a, a welcome change for everybody at that point because, you know, at that point, the NBA had stopped, NHL, NHL was stopped, there was no sporting news. And then all of a sudden free agency came and all this craziness happened. And I think people – it, it – it, it was a welcome distraction for people. So, um, yeah, I wasn't too surprised that it happened on time. 
Obviously, some big moves we've seen through the first uh, you know week and a half of free agency here, and kind of always go back here on our show to the quarterbacks and Tom Brady. Uh, <laughs> it's going to take a little getting used to, among all the other weird things going on uh, in the world. The Tom Brady is now a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. Jameis Winston needs a new team. Um, you know, Cam Newton needs a new team. Uh, Dane, I mean, are you just even looking back to the draft? Are you surprised at how? I guess especially the Jameis Winston situation played out, but surprised that you know teams those teams are are have bailed on those guys and moved on uh, to other options. Obviously, in Tampa Bay's situation, it's uh, you know you're getting maybe the greatest of all time, but <laughs> little right. little different in Carolina. So just even looking back to the draft, are you surprised that Jameis and Cam are you know weren't lifers? I guess with the teams that drafted them. Yeah, it'll be interesting with. Uh to see if they end up signing before the draft now um, or if they kind of take a wait and see approach and see where some of these quarterbacks end up in the draft. Um, You know, if, if the chargers end up not going quarterback at six uh, maybe that becomes a a spot where one of them could uh, see an opportunity to uh, seize that number one role. Um, But yeah, I mean, both these guys being number one, former number one overall picks. Um, you know, obviously one being an MVP in Cam Newton, the other Jameis uh, leading the league in passing yards, and uh, you know a guy that's obviously not afraid to push the ball downfield, which is a double edged sword, and kind of the reason why he's uh, still unsigned right now, and probably why a lot of teams uh, are, would would not sign him. Uh, you take a team like the Patriots, for example. Uh, you know, Bill Belichick wants nothing to do with the guy that's going to turn the ball over as much as Jameis Winston. So, uh, it's not much has changed uh, with with Winston. He he looks like the same guy that we saw as a redshirt sophomore at Florida State, and that's both good and both uh both not a not a positive thing. So with Cam Newton, I think everything is more injury related. Um, you know, he's just been beaten up over the years, and it's just taken a toll. Um, understandably, uh, a guy that 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 big and takes as many hits as he does. Uh, just trying to come back from that is something that is is not easy. So um, I think that's as much a part of it as anything. And obviously Matt Rule coming in and wanting a fresh start with his own guys and building what he wants to build. And, um, you know, that's certainly his prerogative. And I think it makes sense. So uh, it'll be interesting now, like kind of like I said, do do these guys wait and kind of wait till after the draft? See, you know, when the dust settles, uh, you know, kind of pick and choose their best best option to win a job this year, take a one-year prove-it deal for, you know, $12 million, and then, uh, you know, see what they can do for for next year for agency. But it, it'll certainly be interesting. Yeah, and Newt, if, I feel bad for Newton because he, he was cut at a time when a bunch of teams already have committed to quarterbacks or have signed quarterbacks and – uh, mm-hmm. I, I think the big thing with him is, yeah, like you said, um, health-wise, teams are unsure of where he is, and you know, right now they're unable to get physicals on guys, and uh, he just hasn't been healthy the last couple of years, and and he's a mobile quarterback too, and, and there are different types of mobile quarterbacks. There, there are the Lamar Jackson types that could run away and elude people, uh, but there's the Cam Newton's type that you know he he's a physical runner, and and that's just tough as a quarterback, and that's part of his game, but. You know how 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 physical can he run now with all his injuries, and do you want to put him at risk? And uh, if that part of his game is gone, what kind of quarterback he's going to be? Uh, I think the Chargers are probably a, the best fit for him right now. 
Um, they, you know, you, you could put him in competition with Tyrod Taylor. So if Newton isn't healthy, you still have Taylor. And if Newton's healthy, he's an upgrade over Taylor for sure. And he he could really make that Chargers team dangerous if he if he is indeed healthy. Because I mean, they look like they could have a top five defense offensively. They have a, a bunch of talent. They could even you know bluster their offensive line with the sixth pick of the draft. Uh, for Jameis Winston, I, I I think it's probably best if he takes a year and goes to a team with an established quarterback already and just kind of sit back and um, just try to reset himself a little bit and maybe he gets another opportunity uh, the year after. Yeah, I mean, that's really the question at this point because there aren't that many. I was just going through in my head and trying to figure out who like even has an opening for a competition right now. And if we're assuming Cincinnati's taking Joe Burrow, uh, it's a pretty small list. Like, I, How many teams do you even see with potential opening jobs out there it's like uh, maybe a handful if that yeah it's not many i mean because you look especially when you figure okay yeah cincinnati taking joe burrow miami's set uh you know they if they they're probably gonna take a quarterback but if they don't then i don't think they're gonna be interested in one of these two guys they'll be happy with uh you know rosen and fitz and you know take you know take that into next year and see where they end up in next year's draft um after that, yeah, the Chargers, uh, Tyrod Taylor uh, is the top guy in the depth chart right now. Uh, the Colts obviously aren't looking for uh, a short-term quarterback. Uh, the Bucks aren't looking for a short-term quarterback. The Patriots don't seem like they'd be interested in, in those uh, either of those two guys. Uh, I mean, who else do we have left, left on the list that – you know, I mean, yeah, really... like unless you think Minshew's not the guy in Jacksonville, like maybe they take a stab on someone. Like I, 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 mean, I don't know. It's a pretty small. Like I think the Giants are pretty set on Daniel Jones. That would be right. <laughs> I mean, I don't know that everyone buys that, but the you know, I, I don't think they're bailing either. So it's it is pretty slim pickings, and especially because uh, Ted, you know, there's the Las Vegas looked like one of those teams that might need a quarterback. They went out and signed Marcus Mariota, which I think is a pretty interesting pickup for them too. That's a guy who. Uh, pretty high draft pedigree himself, obviously, and it sort of, you know, didn't work out uh, for him in Tennessee, and now gets a potentially another chance. Uh, that contract certainly indicates they've got some confidence in him. Maybe he gets in there and steals the starting job. Uh, what do you think of that fit? Yeah, I think with the Raiders, they definitely have been trying to upgrade the quarterback position for a couple of years, but uh, Derek Carr has been he's played at a level where. It's hard to upgrade from him, but it's still not a level, not a tier one type of quarterback where you could say this guy is going to go out and and win us games on his own, or at least elevate the talent around him. He he's kind of uh, he you know he he needs a lot around him. He needs a lot of support, and I think that's more of a tier two quarterback. But he's still hard to upgrade from. Uh, so they, I think they kind of flirted with the Tom Brady possibility, but they didn't want to commit that much money to him. And I think the next best route was to uh, go with Marcus Mariota, who um, will have, a, a, I think, a legitimate shot to uh, to try to win that starting job. I, I think he, I think Carr is the starting quarterback, but they're going to give him they're going to give him a chance to win that job. And I, I mean, when you look at that contract, it's uh, I, I mean, I don't study backup quarterback contracts too much, but it, it seems like he probably has the highest. Uh, he he might be the highest paid backup, or at least have the most uh, incentives built into his contract uh, to become a starter. So uh, yeah, it'll be a 
and and he's going to be a disadvantage too because he doesn't have training camp to try to separate himself and learn this offense. Uh, but maybe in the middle of the season, if if Carr is struggling and he's doing a well in practice, there there could be a change. But uh, I think Carr will start the season as as a starter. Uh, but Mariota is going to try to make up as much ground as as he can, and maybe um, if there is a change made, it'll, it'll be made in the uh, probably during the season. I want to get into the wide receivers here a little bit, but just real quick because we always talk about him. Um, you know, without. With everything that's going on around the draft right now and teams not really being able to bring guys in for for visits or do you know the combine rechecks i guess aren't happening right so like how does that impact i mean anyone who has an injury but specifically with a guy like tua who we've been talking about all year and now uh the, the for the last three four months we've been saying well it just depends on how he checks out medically and now we're not really sure right. if we're going to get that evaluation before the draft if the assuming the draft sticks when the nfl wants it to stick dane um what's your read there i mean how how much if at all does that change the situation for him it it's just such just unprecedented uh situation and it, it's something where you know the the goal when you draft a player is you have to have as much information as possible and for a lot of these guys they're just they're missing key pieces of, of something or another whether it's you know, a piece of the testing or it's more importantly, the medical stuff and Tua especially, um, you know, we, we knew uh, a lot at the combine based off of what was going on, but teams came away from the combine uh, very cautious about Tua's injury. Uh, I mean, he was really beat up. There's a lot of things they had to check. And until you really get to see him throw, uh, that's, there isn't much, that you could really say. And, you know, I know Tua posted a video of him throwing and moving and he looked great, but I, you know, talking to teams, they're getting inundated with just a lot of clips and training workouts and, from agents. And, and I get it, you know, agents, that's what, the, that's what they have to do. Um, talking to different agents, they're hiring ex scouts uh, who have been around the league for a long time and they're having them put on a pro day setting uh, workout for their guys, their, their clients and so they're having a former NFL scout timing, um, you know, doing all the workouts, doing the, you know, walkthrough for positional uh, specific drills. So it's something that agents and players are getting creative, but teams, I just don't think it's going to carry a lot of a lot of weight with them. You know, it's a it's great looking at a video, but without having that firsthand knowledge and without understanding, um, you know, the usual process. We're just going to see a uh, a record low number of combi- non-combine guys get drafted this year. Usually it's between 30 and 40, right around 35. This year could be single digits uh, because, and again, the biggest reason is that medical, like you mentioned. Uh, you know, It's rare to have a non-combine guy get drafted without being a 30 visit because at the 30 visit, you can really get a chance for them to you know meet your coaches, X's and O's, uh, the medicals, things like that. You know, the area scouts have seen these guys, you know, they have uh, a report on who these players are, but just without having uh, that knowledge of how they interact with your coaching staff, how is that uh, bruised knee that the guy had in October, uh, any long term damage? I mean, how do you how do you draft a guy like that when you don't have all the information? So it's just it's really unfortunate. Now, the guys that are at the senior bowl that helps them because they do they go through a little bit of medical stuff at the senior bowl uh it's not as as extensive as the shrine and and and, and, uh, the nflpa and some of the other all-star games so at least those guys who had the all-star 
uh, game has that they have a little bit more of a leg up, but still, it's if you weren't invited to the combine, it's just going to be really tough for you. And really, it's going to be tough for all these rookies when you factor in probably no mini camps. Uh, who knows training camp if that'll start on time. Um, it's just less time for uh, time with the coaches. Time, you know, you'll have the playbook probably, but in, in terms of the one-on-one stuff and you know, actually implementing the uh, everything, it's just these guys are going to be at a disadvantage. So this is just a really crazy time for the draft, and it's it's obvious why GMs and teams really want to push it back. If they were to push it back, what date do you think they uh, would try to target? Well, and it's, I don't know if it's, I think it just comes down to, cause like, obviously none of us know what this, the, uh, everything's going to look like around the country in, we don't know tomorrow, let alone a week or a month. And so really what the NFL did is they kind of kicked the can until I believe April 8th. That's kind of like two weeks. They're going to reassess the situation April 8th and then make a more direct decision about whether or not it would make sense to move back the draft at all. Um, But if it doesn't seem like anything's going to be, you know, if if everything's not going to be business as usual um, in a month, then there really is no point moving back the draft. If, you know, they're still not going to be able to get the medicals, if they're still not going to be able to get, it it just doesn't make any sense. So might as well just do it on time and, and move on. So, uh, but if things start to really get better and, you know, we're starting to trend that direction, well, then maybe you put the draft off for two, three weeks. And then maybe it, that final weekend in April, that first week in May, uh, it, it, there'll be an opportunity for these teams to maybe have, uh, you know, bring guys in and, you know, set up some type of system and that kind of thing. So. I don't know. It's uh, I, I'm talking to different people. They they no one has any idea. He's like if I was talking to someone earlier today, and they're like, if I if, if I told you anything, it'd just be a complete guess. And this guy is high up with a team, and he I mean, he just has no clue. Um, so everyone's kind of operating as a on a day to day basis on how this thing's going to play out. And that was kind of the argument for free agency starting when it did too. You know, delay it two weeks, delay it three weeks. What if we're in worse right. shape? You know, as a country and as a world at that point, like, is that going to make a difference? It was just. Get it out of the way, you know. Get the ball rolling on that. Then you could keep the draft if you wanted to, uh, at the same time. And I mean, I think that at this point, you know, realistically, like you said, Dane, you're sort of looking and you know, OTAs. Or you're going to lose OTAs. You're probably going to lose mini camps. Like I think they're mm-hmm. just trying to do their best to keep some hope that training camps and the preseason regular season all can start on time. And again, you know, that's three and a half months from now so you know kind of hope that things are are better by then but we don't know you know so you push back a month and then it's it's still the same situation or worse and then you got to push back again and suddenly you sort of put yourself in a bind so i i kind of get it from the nfl's perspective but i also as we've been saying understand from the other side of it too so we'll keep an eye on that uh as we move forward here um as Ted said, thankfully, I guess to some extent, you know, we had free agency go off, so we had something to talk about, uh, and we've had a ton of coverage on the athletic surrounding free agency, a ton of stuff going on uh, with the draft. But uh, I also kind of let you behind the curtain a little bit. We are constantly having discussions uh, within our city sites, within the NFL group, within the the athletic as a whole, just of ways to sort of. Uh, be creative right now and bring you some different content than uh, maybe what you'd be able to find elsewhere. And, you know, certainly something to help keep you entertained and interested is we're in this 
this crazy period where there aren't any sports going on anywhere. So uh, we certainly invite you to check that out. I'm sure you've seen, if you follow any of us on Twitter, running the 90-day free trial now that you can come on, check out the site. But uh, if you want, and just sort of jump the gun on that, that goes 90 days for free and then locks you into a year subscription at the end for, uh, I think it's $59.99. You also can go to theathletic.com slash prospects to pros pick us up for 40% off, sort of skip the free trial, and you get this year subscription for uh, $2.99 a month. So it works out to a little less than you know 36 bucks, which is a, a pretty good bargain. Like I said, we've got a ton of great content. That also gets you access to Dane's incredible draft guide, which is just around the corner here uh, because uh, he's had to write it, assuming that the draft is going to happen when it's supposed yep. to happen. So uh that that's the only way to get access to that and as soon as it launches you know it's uh last year it just was uh uh, put up a post on the website with a way to download it you had to have a password for it and you had to have a subscription to get that password so uh theathletic.com slash prospects to pros 40 percent off check out all of dan's draft content all of ted's uh great film analysis that he does and swing over if you're a lions fan got some stuff for you on our detroit site but uh, that gets you access to everything. And like I said, we're really trying to think outside the box here for as long as this lasts. We've got the draft to talk about, obviously, now for the next month or so, assuming it, it stays put. But uh, there's been a lot of really unique content up on our site in the last couple of weeks. So please go check it out. Uh, again, theathletic.com slash prospects to pros. That's 40% off. Um, Ted, when we had you on in Indianapolis at the Combine, um, Back before you know things uh, kind of went the way they did, we talked about quarterbacks. You said you were sort of diving, just diving into those guys. Um, and since then, you know, you've taken sounds like you've taken a closer look at uh, a bunch of the wide receivers. So, just wondering in general what your early or what your impressions are of that class, and then if there are any guys who have really jumped out to you. Yeah, I mean, obviously it's a, it's an amazing class of wide receivers with you know a bunch of guys that are going to go. In, in the first three rounds um and you know uh just the top three guys i think it would be an interesting discussion with uh cd lamb jerry judy and, and henry ruggs um i, I have them ranked cd judy and and then uh ruggs how, how how do you have them ranked yeah that's the same as as i have them um and that's i think coming into the year um i know i a lot of people I, were very i mean people kind of put judy up on this pedestal as the top guy and you know the best receiver in five years and the top five pick and i don't think he was ever really that guy um i had lamb over judy in my summer uh wide receiver rankings and that's kind of how it played out throughout the season uh but i still think i mean these these three guys are tremendous uh with and actually I actually have a fourth in that top tier. I think Justin Jefferson uh, is in that mm-hmm. top tier for me, uh, but I, I do think that it's the top three guys are um, pretty similar to what, what I have, and they're they're very different, right, in what they offer. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Judy's kind of that uh, really elite route runner that's great off the line, creates a ton of separation. Uh, you know, there are some drops in contested situations that. Uh, I'm a little worried about with uh, Judy, but you know I don't think it's a huge deal. But you know if we're nitpicking, I think that's the one one area that I would look at. And obviously, CD 
uh, a great route runner, runner for a guy his size. I'd love the DeAndre Hopkins uh, comp. I think that really works for him because you know he has that ability to run after the catch. He can high point, make all those acrobatic catches, uh, runs great routes as well. Uh, and as, as far as rugs, um, I'm not as high uh, on rugs as others. I, I think you know there's even some people that put rugs as their uh, wide receiver one. Obviously, by far the the fastest receiver in the draft. Uh, could could make catches in contested situation or tough catches as well. I, I think he, he he's a good route runner, but uh, I also think it, it is concerning that he you know and, and it's tough in that Alabama receiving corp with four guys that could potentially be uh, first round receivers. But you know in in his role in Alabama, he was the deep threat, the guy that took the guy to the top off the defense. But he just he wasn't that number one receiver that you you go to in those tough situations. You you mentioned there being a fourth having fourth guy in there, Justin Jefferson, Dane. What uh what gets him up into that conversation for you? He's just there's doesn't not a lot of weaknesses there. I mean, I think you can nitpick and say, well, um, you know, he wish he did this a little bit better, did this a little bit better, but even after uh, what he ran at the combine running in the low four fours, um, you know, you can't really say that he doesn't have the speed for it. Uh, I mean, he just He's he's not that true burner, even though he did run that four four three. But he just he's so detailed in what he does, the footwork, um, his understanding of route depth. Uh, he helps create passing windows, and so that as a receiver, your number one job is to always be available. And I think that's what Justin Jefferson does really really well. And that's something that translates to the next level, and something that quarterbacks will really appreciate, and something that I think will get him targets as a rookie. So uh, I, I think he belongs somewhere in the first round. Um, and I, I think that. You know, even though again he's there are little things that you could nitpick on. I don't think there are any glaring weaknesses there that are gonna that are, tell you that he's not going to make it. Uh, there are just too many things in his favor uh, that that tells me that he's going to be a successful pro. And this is just it's such a loaded position. And you know, I, I think that even you know if there's three or four in that top tier, it's really going to be interesting how many teams say like say the Raiders for example. Um, you have picks, uh, what, 12 and 19? 19. 19. Um, and yeah, so they can, they're sitting there at 12 where they might have the pick of any receiver they, they want in the draft. Uh, or they could say, hey, we really like these three or these four. We really like a lot of these receivers. So we're going to take a different position here and wait and get a receiver. And it's just, there's going to be a lot of interesting talks like that uh, about waiting to get the receiver or taking one early. Um, I don't. Do you think there's a uh, Ted? Do you think there's a uh, receiver in this class that I think screams Gruden and Mayock more than uh, another one? It's tough because I, th- I think Gruden isn't married to a system per se. His his offense has been kind of like this uh, melting pot of a du- uh, so many different concepts and and different offenses that he's borrowed from just from his years of researching. Uh, but I do think they they want a bigger receiver, so I, I think that they they want I think CD will probably be uh, a top guy on, on their board. Uh, I they, I think they want to add speed as well, but I don't think um, speed is a uh, huge you know a huge thing for them. So that's why I don't think they're as high as rugs as uh, as uh, some people are reporting. Um, so I, I do think CD and Judy would probably be their top two guys, and I, I think they they probably do like Jefferson a lot. Do you, do you think Jefferson 
Jefferson's played a lot, a lot in the slot. Mm-hmm. If a team were to draft him and wanted to put him exclusively on the outside, do you think he could still become a top tier player just playing on the outside? Yeah, he was outside as a sophomore, uh, but he was, you know, like you said, exclusively uh, inside. Uh, kind of played that wide position in LSU's offense um, in the slot, and so. You know, I think that, and he's not—he's not a small guy. He's six one uh, and two, over two hundred pounds, uh, but not, also not the biggest guy either. So I think there will be a little bit of a transition there. Uh, you have to project a little bit. But watching some of his sophomore stuff, he looked comfortable. Um, he didn't look like he was struggling to get off press or, um, you know, struggling to, uh, you know, use the sideline, anything like that. So I, I think that he would be okay. Um, but that, you know, to your point, that would be something that would be a projection because working out of the slot certainly helped him, uh, use the entire field. And so if I'm looking at Jefferson, I'm looking at him as a guy that's inside outside that I want to use in both spots. I don't want to make him exclusively an X and put him on the outside or just a Z. I want to put him uh, just across the formation, and I think that'd be the best way to use him. Uh, one other guy I wanted to ask you about, uh, Ted, is and this is a guy that has uh, is a lot of a lot of different opinions on him. Uh, T. Higgins out of Clemson, um, and he chose not to work out at at the combine, which. Uh, was uh, you know something that was put under a microscope then, and I, I guess you know thankfully for him, Clemson had their pro day early enough where he was able to work out, but he didn't work out very well. And so, uh, and one thing that I pride my draft guide on is it has all the pro day information. So if a pro day happened, it will be in the draft guide, um, and it's not just reported times; it's the it's the actual times that NFL teams get. And so looking at T. Higgins his, from his pro day, 4.58 is the official 40-yard dash, 1.69 on the 10-yard split, 31-inch vert, 10.3 in the broad, and then a 4.53 uh, in the short shuttle. Uh, had a right pec strain, so he didn't bench, didn't do the three cone. So didn't have a great workout. So you know, I don't know if it was uh, you know, a, a great thing or not that Clemson was able to have their pro day because I think that's something – those are the type of numbers that in a loaded draft class like this could be the difference between you know him going behind a guy like Chenault or Denzel Mims or Brandon Ayuk. So where do you stand on Higgins and how he projects to the NFL? Yeah, I mean, I always thought he was more of a, a mid-round guy, even even before his testing. You know, maybe third round might have been um, a, a, a good place for me to, to draft him at, but um, I, I never really saw him as a um, a first-round type of guy or a second-round type mm-hmm. of guy. Um, but he kind of reminds me of um, Lacan Treadwell in that he, mm-hmm. you know, he's supposed to be this physical jump ball receiver, but at the same time, um, his athleticism doesn't really stick out. So that kind of concerns me uh, with how he's going to translate to the pros. I mean, he doesn't, you know, he, he's not as specialist as creating separation. And, um, you know, if you're, if you're going to specialize in the jump ball, you better uh, be able to outmuscle people and out jump people. And, and those numbers are uh, certainly concerning for him. So, I, I, you know, I think he'll, I think he'll be okay in, in the right offense. I think, you know, may, he could be a guy that, will get you, you know, maybe as a third or fourth, you know, 500 yards a season. But I just I just never saw him as a guy that I would project to be a star in a league. Dan, you mentioned the other guy that I uh, 
if I were to go bang the table for at the draft, you mentioned Brandon Ayuk. Uh, he's up there for me. He might be number five behind those, those yep. guys that you mentioned. I know you had him. Me, me too. I think, you, I think your last mock you had him in the first round, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. And then um, another guy I wanted to ask you about, uh, LaVisca Chenault, who um, you had among the top five receivers, one of the rank, maybe two months ago in your rankings uh, at that position. Um needed the core muscle surgery, I believe it was, after the combine. Uh, you know, where do those two guys stand now as you – I think you kind of teased it a little bit, saying I, it's your number five. But where do those two guys kind of stand now as we look at this class? Yeah, I think those top four are pretty um, – not not set in stone. Um, I think that the top three, just talking to people around the league, uh, that's that seems to be kind of what everyone else is thinking, uh, or at least very similar. And then the next tier, um, a lot of people have Jefferson at the top. Mims is right there. Uh, sure. However high you have Mims, it's probably not high enough. He's teams are really high on him. Um, Ayuk is right there. Um, Rager and Chenault, they're right there in that mix too. The biggest thing that hurts Chenault is uh, the medicals and the durability. Um, I had someone tell me the other day that don't be surprised when, you know, uh, LaVisca Chenault is this year's DK Metcalf in terms of, you know, a guy that's been talked about as a possible first rounder all the, all the while and then falls to the sixties on draft day. And for Chenault, it'll mostly be because of medicals and the durability questions. A guy that's so physical. Um, that there, there's a lot you like about him, but you just, you do worry about the medical situation. Um, and yeah, he, and that's something that will hurt him with, cause he would have piled up the 30 visits. Um, cause he was at the combine, obviously ran the, a disappointing 40. Then they had the surgery and teams aren't going to have that updated medical information. And, you know, I'm sure his agent's going to send an, you know, an independent report to all the teams about from their physician and, you know, but, at the same time, you're not going to have that information, and that's something that will push him down. So, you know, a guy that maybe with a good combine, a good pre-draft workout uh, process would have been the fifth, sixth receiver drafted, and probably now might be the eighth or ninth uh, receiver off the board. So, it's just it's a it's, it's a part it's an unfortunate part of this uh, this process, but maybe for a team that ends up being a blessing in disguise because, again, he's got that discount sticker on him. So um, I, I think Ayuk, just talking about the the speed, the wingspan, the size, uh, the fact that you think he's still getting better and better, you know, being a Juco kid and, you know, just learning the system as a junior and then exploding as a senior, you think he's still getting better. And so that that's in his favor. Um, so I, yeah, this receiver class, uh, Ayuk, Mims, they're right there in that late first round mix. Yeah, Mims is really interesting to me. I, you know, when you watch his Baylor film, he he just just doesn't run a ton of routes. Like his route tree right. is is so small, but within those routes, he he does a lot of good things. Like his usage of his hands, how he positions his bodies, uh, just little little things that makes his his routes a little more deceptive. And obviously, he has the size and traits, and he he dominated the Senior Bowl. Um, and you know, I, I was thinking if a team really needs an outside receiver and, um, you know, you got Jefferson and Mims on the board, you know, I, I think Jefferson's overall has, has a better, uh, will get a better grade from me, but you know, who, who do you, who would you go with if you really need the outside receiver and both those guys are on the board? Yeah, that's a great question. And, and to your point though, you know, Mims does not have that extensive catalog of routes. And, you know, there's 
But at the Senior Bowl, where he was asked to do a little bit more, and you know he faced press coverage, and, and I mean he he looked like a much better route runner during Senior mm-hmm. Bowl practices than we had a chance to see all year on his Baylor film. So yeah, I, I think that I wouldn't be shocked at all if uh, Mims is say the fourth receiver drafted. Um, you know, possibly as early as. Uh, you know, somewhere in the the late teens, early twenties, I, I could absolutely see that. So um, that which I don't think I would have said, you know, three months ago. Uh, but now here we are, and you know, we always have these guys that rise through the process because they they kill it every single step of the way. Um, and you know, we saw last year a guy like Terry McLaurin kill it at the Senior Bowl, uh, mm-hmm. dominate the combine. He didn't get that bump because I don't I don't know if it's just size or. You know, he wasn't super productive. He was like third on the team in receiving at Ohio State behind uh, Paris Campbell and KJ Hill. Um, but he fell to, you know, the third round and the Redskins obviously got a steal there. Uh, I, I do. There's no way that a team's going to let that happen to Mim. So, yeah, I, I could see him going uh, top 25 and earlier than people think. Ted, the, let's uh, get out of here on a maybe a sleeper or two. Is there someone we're not talking about in this receiver class that you think deserves a little more love? Um, hmm. I think we pretty much talked about uh, talked by every, everybody that I've, I've really watched. So yeah, I, I, I can't think of a sleeper off the top of my head right now. What about you, Dane? Is there someone you got one? You got one for us? Yeah, I got a few guys for you. Because um, <laughs> I well. I, I'm, I'm about three hundred. Dane has a few. Well, I'm, at three, I'm about three hundred and fifty <laughs> uh, reports in. So you know, I, I know I, I've seen a few more of these guys than um, the Ted has, but um, I, I think that the biggest thing for me right now at this point is trying to find the not. We, we all know the combine guys, and you know I've, I, we've we've gone through those guys. Trying to find those non-combine guys who uh, has a chance to not only get drafted, but then also stick. I mean, you you go throughout the rosters in this league, and there's a lot of non-combine guys in there. And so trying to identify those guys is, is, is tough to do. But, you know, you're looking for critical traits. You're looking for guys that test well. Um, I, you know, certain things, you know, competitive toughness, things like that. Uh, Kendall Hinton, uh, Hinton at Wake Forest, former quarterback and moved to receiver, uh, had over a thousand yards this year. Um, not the biggest guy, about five ten, buck ninety five, but um, I, I think he is someone that could be a late round guy or someone that you're going to look to um, as a priority free agent. Um, there's a few guys, uh, in, uh, who had the luxury of going to an all-star game, like a Kirk Merritt at Arkansas state was at the, I believe he was NFLPA and then Jamarcus Bradley from Lafayette. He was, uh, at the East West shrine, um, uh, who, uh, Dubois from Virginia. Uh, he had a chance to go to, or I don't, he wasn't at an all-star game, but he's a guy that to watch, uh, as a priority free agent. Uh, Mason Kinsey from Barry uh, College. You don't hear about Barry College very much. Division three. Uh, really, he didn't run really well at, the, at his pro day. Ran in the four sixes, but uh, teams love his routes. Uh, just a really instinctive route runner, uh, and he helped himself at the Shrine game. So, a few off the radar receivers that um, you know I know people aren't really talking about right now, but they they have at least got a shot, um, if not late in the draft, as uh, priority free agents. You know, one guy that kind of caught my eye at the uh, at the Senior Bowl that I haven't really watched too much tape of yet is Colin Johnson from Texas. He's a guy that doesn't get talked about much, but he, you know, he, he's a pretty good route runner for a guy of his size. So I, I think he's interesting. Absolutely, but I have to watch yeah. more of him. 
No, I and I, he was my number one senior receiver coming into the, into the year because yeah, to to your point, what you just said, I was shocked how nuanced he was as a route runner. I mean, he there is purpose in what he's doing out there. He's not just a big guy, you know, going up and out rebounding the football. So uh, this year, it was I think a hamstring that sidelined him for basically half the year. So that obviously hurt him, um, and that bumped him down. But I still think he's got a shot to go top one hundred and uh, you know be a better be better than what we saw this past year as a senior. And yeah, and he did dominate at the senior bowl, not not just mm-hmm. in the route running, but you mentioned being able to go up and get it. I mean, he was just cornerbacks couldn't cover him basically in those red zone drills. He went up and over top of everyone all week long. It was really impressive to watch him down there. Certainly one of the guys right. that I mean, there were a lot of a lot of receivers that came out of that week with some positive momentum, but he was had to be right at the top. One other receiver I did want to mention um who it's just an unfortunate part of this process uh brian edwards from south carolina who i think has second round talent but he missed the end of the year with a, a knee it couldn't do the senior bowl and then he broke his foot so he couldn't participate at the combine so uh you know he's got medical stuff and then we also don't have any testing information for him so how that affects a guy like brian edwards is really going to be interesting because like i said second round talent on tape um and there's a lot to like there for a guy that's six three, two hundred twenty pounds but in a crowded group, is that bump him behind, you know, guys like Claypool and Van Jefferson and Colin Johnson and some of these other guys? So it'll really be interesting uh, with a guy like Edwards. Well, you can get all of uh, Dane's breakdowns again in the draft guide when it launches early next month. Uh, we're creeping up on the uh, end of March here. So just around the corner, uh, make sure you go to theathletic.com slash prospects to pros to get 40% off a subscription. You get access to that draft guide, uh, access to everything on our site. As I said earlier, we're working extremely hard to uh, find some things to talk about, some things that are interesting to read about. Um, we know everyone's got a lot going on, a lot on their minds right now, and certainly other places maybe that they need to funnel money at the moment. So we can't tell you how much we appreciate those of you who have subscribed or continue to subscribe. We really appreciate the support. Um, and everyone who listens to the show every week, too, thank you for doing that. And can, hopefully you'll continue to do that on through the draft and beyond. So uh, we'll get back at it here soon. Thanks again to Ted Wynn for joining us. Uh, For Dane Brugler, our producer, Kent Garrison, I'm Chris Burke, and we'll talk to you soon. Stay safe out there.